Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Mr. Rogers once said, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing, that when we look for what's best in a person we happen to be with at the moment, we're doing what God does all the time. So in loving and appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something sacred. But when it comes to loving our neighbors, where do we start? How do we push past our own nervousness? We explore these questions and more in our series, Bless. We're thankful you're here. Let's continue the upward journey. All right, today we're going to talk about the one you've been waiting for and I've been waiting for in the Bless series, and I'm excited about this. If you haven't been with us already, we're in the middle of a series called Bless. And we're talking about habits that were in the life of Jesus Christ that if we will practice will enable us to bless our neighbors and win them to Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. If Jesus just wanted to save us and take us to heaven, he could do that. But he's left us here on earth to make a difference for his kingdom and to win our neighbors to Jesus Christ. I don't want to have a huge spiritual influence on thousands of people and not have a spiritual influence in my very own neighborhood. So the BLESS strategy is helping us to do that together. BLESS is an acronym, and you, if you've been here, you know, but if you haven't, I want to review this really quickly. BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. When you set out to win your neighbors, the B stands for begin with prayer. And we gave you a card the last couple weeks. You can still get one out in the lobby after service today if you'd like one. A card with a picture of a house, which is supposed to be your house with eight blocks around it. And you're supposed to write the names in there of people that you want to win to Jesus Christ and begin praying for them. So the B is begin with prayer. The L is listen. Hear their hearts. Don't talk. Don't throw out answers. Listen and hear where they are. The E is where we're at today, and it's eat. Can anybody say, yep, I've come to church on the right day. We're going to talk about eating. We're going to talk about eating to win people to Jesus. The next S next week is serve. How you can practically demonstrate the love of Christ to them by serving. And the very last one is story. We're going to talk about how to tell your story and how to tell his story to your neighbors. But when you bless, you pray for them, you listen to them, you eat with them, you serve them. And when you've done all of those things, you should have earned the right to sit down and share your story and the story of Jesus Christ. All of these strategies, as I said, are based on the habits of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the goal overall, to be more like Jesus Christ? That's God's goal for your life, and that's what he's doing above everything, is he's transforming you day by day into the very image of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, wherever you go, Jesus will be there in you and through you. I find this with most Christians, though. We often want to follow Jesus' teachings philosophically when what we really need to do is follow his habits practically. It's one thing to get in the philosophy of Jesus and meditate on the truth that he taught and meditate on his teachings, but it's another thing to practically apply the way that he lived to our lives. Jesus came to earth and invested his life 
in 12 people primarily to change them, to shape them. And he also reached the world around him. And if we would look at his habits and practically apply them to our lives, we will change our world. And I got good news for you today. Anybody ready for some good news? Anybody ready to learn something about Jesus that will excite you that you may not have thought about before? You ready for that? Here it comes. One of the greatest habits of Jesus is this. He loved to eat. Boom. Jesus loved to eat. You say, where is that in the Bible? Well, it's all over the the Gospels. It's all over the biographies of Jesus Christ. The very first public miracle he performed was at a wedding feast. They had run out of wine, and Jesus changed the water into wine. You tell me that Jesus didn't uh, go to places and, and have a good time with people and eat? He did that. He turned water into wine at a wedding feast. The very last time he spent with his disciples, he was telling them about what his death would be like and what it meant. He was teaching them the significance of what would happen on the cross. And what did he do? He sat down and he had a meal with them. We call it the Last Supper. He sat at a table and fellowshiped with them. N.T. Wright said this, a great New Testament scholar. He said, when Jesus wanted to explain his death to his disciples, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. When he wanted to impart great truth to them, something that would be difficult for them to receive, he fed them. You know, I can receive truth a lot better when I'm on a full stomach. Anybody ever been hangry? Anybody ever been hangry? You know what hangry is? It's when you get hungry and then it gets you angry. I'm not in much of a mood to listen when I'm starving to death, but you sit down and feed me a good meal, I'll listen to just about anything you have to say. There's something spiritual, there's something powerful about that. When Jesus restored Peter to ministry, this is in John 21, Peter had failed miserably. One of the closest disciples to Jesus Christ sat with him at that very last supper, at that meal, and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter said, well... It won't be me. He said, Peter, I'm, Peter said, Jesus, I'm ready to go with you tonight, and I'm ready to die with you. Have you ever made a statement like that? Oh, this bold statement. I'm ready to die with you right now, Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you're going to deny me tonight before the rooster crows. Before morning breaks, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter went out and did that. He cursed, and he said, I don't even know the man. Well, Jesus cared about Peter. After Jesus' death and after he rose from the dead, the disciples were out in a boat fishing. And they had fished all night and not caught anything. And in the morning, they saw a man standing on the beach. And they couldn't make out who it was. But the man said, cast your nets over here and you'll catch some. And they did. And they caught a load of fish. And this was not the first time this had happened. Jesus had done this. So Peter recognized that that was Jesus. And he said, it's the Lord. And he threw off his coat and jumped into the water and swam practically naked to the shore. I know that may have made you a little uncomfortable, but it's okay. He swam to the shore to meet Jesus. The rest of the guys come in the boat. And guess what Jesus was doing? He was grilling He had a fire built, and he was cooking grilled fish and bread, and maybe an ancient form of tartar sauce. (laughs) 
It wasn't the first time they had fish and bread. It was a staple of their diet. It blesses my heart to know that Jesus was a grill master. That is good preaching, isn't it? Somebody's saying, finally today, we've got a hold of something that I can really get a hold of today. Jesus grilled. You think I'm kidding. Jesus loved to eat. Jesus loved to serve. Jesus manifested right here the very gift of hospitality that's given to us today in the church. He served people. Jesus grilled out. In fact, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus was talking about what people were saying about him. And he said this, The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Now, I'm happy to say Jesus was neither a glutton nor a drunkard, but he was indeed a friend of tax collectors and sinners. If he wasn't a friend of sinners, none of us would be here today. Do you hear me today? If he didn't love people that were far from God, none of us would be here today. Now, who did Jesus eat with? Jesus sat down to eat with outsiders. Now, this was a taboo in his world. In the Jewish world in which he lived, and he was surrounded by Jewish people in a Jewish culture, it was taboo to sit down and eat with a sinner. Because the idea was, if you fellowshiped with a sinner, that their sin would get on you. And you could be rendered unclean by eating with the wrong kind of people. Do you know, Jesus, the Bible said he made himself of no reputation. He did not make his own reputation an idol in his life. Rather, he served people at risk of ruining his reputation. I love that about Jesus. He loved you, but he didn't really care what you thought. He loved you, and if you wanted to demean him, he just went on doing what he was called to do. He ate with outsiders. Matthew chapter 9 tells us one of the more famous outsiders he ate with. Matthew 9, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew at his tax collector's booth. It's no coincidence that the man named Matthew also wrote the book of Matthew. Matthew is telling the story of when Jesus rescued him. He knew it from the inside. Matthew said, Jesus walked along, saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, that right there tells the whole story for a Jew. They hated tax collectors. See, the tax collector was a Jewish person who'd went to work for Rome. It's, they were seen as betraying their, their countrymen. Not only that, not only did they work for Rome collecting Roman taxes, but they also cheated people. That's how they made their wealth. Tax collectors were among the most wealthy people of the day, and they made their money by raising the price of the taxes and pocketing the difference. If they saw on your tax bill, so to speak, that you owed 15%, they would likely raise it to 20 or 25%, and they would turn the 15% in and put the rest in their pocket, and they literally got rich robbing people. So they were desperately hated, and no one would spend time with them. They would create a wide path to go around the tax collector's booth. But Jesus saw him and he called to him and said, follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus said to him, Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. Just in the moment, he said, follow me. And Matthew left behind his occupation to follow Jesus Christ. Later, it says, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest. How would you like to have been a disciple? 
following Jesus and you'd never been to a home of a person that was unclean like this man. And Jesus said, guess where we're going to dinner? We're going to Matthew's house. What, Matthew? I don't go to places like that. I'm too holy to go to a tax collector's house. And Jesus said, we're going. I'm sure there was an argument. It wasn't recorded. But I'm sure there was an argument because they just didn't eat with that kind of person. But Jesus did. It said this, he invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest, and it gets worse. Along with many tax collectors. <laughs> the disciples got there, and they're in for a surprise. It's not just Matthew. He's invited the whole union. They're having a tax collector's union dinner right in his house. And here these guys who prided themselves on not touching these people were right in the middle of the party. And it even gets worse. Tax collectors were there and other disreputable sinners. Man, there were some bad people at dinner. There were some crooks. There were some notorious people at dinner that they'd only seen before that on the wanted poster at the post office. Nah, that's stretching a little bit, but... Here these disciples thought Jesus was calling them into a separate holy lifestyle, and they found themselves at a party with tax collectors and a bunch of them and a bunch of disreputable sinners. There was an idea in the Old Testament, if you've read your Bible, there was... Leprosy was, was something in the Bible, and there are many laws about lepers. And in the Old Testament, if someone had leprosy, you could not touch them. See, leprosy is symbolic for sin in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's often used as a type or a symbol of sin. And a leper, when someone discovered they had leprosy, they had to immediately separate themselves from the clean people. And you had the clean people, and you had the dirty people. And if you were a leper, you were now classed as a dirty person. And you had to be off by yourself. You couldn't worship with everybody. You couldn't go to the temple. You were sequestered, segregated, pushed off to the side, and you were kept in that group. And nobody wanted to be near you. In fact, if you walked out in polite society, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so people wouldn't get near you and touch you and catch what you had. Jesus turned that whole idea upside down completely one day when a leper came to him and said, Lord, will you make me clean? See, the idea in the Old Testament was if a clean person touched a dirty person, the clean person became unclean. Jesus said that's not the way it works. He demonstrated that's not the way it works. Jesus went up to the leper and the disciples were like, <gasps> no, he's not going to do that. Have you ever got an inclination somebody's about to do something crazy and you're like, oh, he better not do that. Jesus starts walking towards this leper and the disciples, I guarantee you, are like, oh no, this is against the law. He's going to infect us all with leprosy. But Jesus reached out and touched a leper, something the law said not to do. And when he touched the leper, the clean made the dirty clean. I want you to hear that. In the Old Testament, the unclean would make you dirty when you touched them. When Jesus came, he reversed it and said, when I touch somebody that's unclean, they will become clean. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, that's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Do you hear me? Stop going around with this weak need faith that says, if I get out around any sinners, their sin's just going to get on me. You are filled with Jesus Christ. Come on now. The Holy Spirit that moved through Jesus Christ and created the world, the creative power that birthed this whole world and this universe dwells in you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when you go out and touch people that are unclean and eat with people that are unclean, your holiness gets on them. Now I understand, if you're a new Christian and you're weak in one area of your life, then it's wisdom not to be around that for a while until you can grow as a Christian. If you struggle, struggle with an addiction of any kind or a lifestyle that is keep dragging you back into things that mess your life up, especially when you're an early Christian, you do need to separate yourself and get away and grow in Christ and don't hang out with the people that keep pulling you back into that. I understand that for a time, but that time is not forever. There's a time to grow in Christ and to be filled with his presence and with his spirit so that you can go anywhere and be with anybody and your holiness gets on them. Can I get an amen? Jesus ate with disreputable people. He ate with people that could have damaged his reputation. You know what? I'd love to hear some stories of people saying, hey, have you heard about such and such? They've been out with somebody that's not got a good reputation. I'd love to hear story after story after story of people at Upward Christian Fellowship and someone call and say, I saw so-and-so out with somebody that's got a bad reputation. Are they okay? And I'd love to be able to speak back into the phone and say, not only are they okay, they're accomplishing the very mission of Jesus Christ because they're with the broken and the hurting and the sinful. And what they're doing is pouring their life into them so that they can be filled with the life of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Amen. The Pharisees saw this. They saw Jesus with Matthew the tax collector, and all the other tax collectors and the disreputable sinners. And it says the Pharisees saw this and they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? That's what religion will do to you. Religion without Jesus will make you think you accomplished this. Religion without Jesus will give you a sense of superiority and self-righteousness above other people. Religion says you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Religion gives you a sense of accomplishment. Jesus gives you a sense of dependence on him. And if you're at a point in your life when you're beginning to get so spiritual that you look at a sinner and you can call them scum, then you have departed from the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus and you have gotten into a religion that eventually will take you away from Jesus. Jesus would never call them scum. And Jesus heard this in verse 12. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. See, the Pharisees' main concern was to keep the rules. Jesus' concern was to love his neighbor. He not only went out to eat with Matthew, he went into Matthew's home. There was a time he was walking through a city and a tax collector named Zacchaeus, who was a very short man, came out and he couldn't see Jesus over the crowd. So he climbed up into a tree. 
And Jesus went by and saw him up in a tree and said, What are you doing? Come down. I'm coming to your house for dinner. I love this. There's a progression here. Matthew invited Jesus over. But in this case, Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' home. And everybody's freaking out. (gasps) Jesus is going with the worst man in town. I thought he'd go out and eat with a preacher. Instead, he's going out with the IRS. See, eating is a sign of friendship. When you offer to eat with someone, you're offering a friendship. I love this quote from Ed Silvoso. He wrote this. He said, we must not embrace the idea that in order to be close to Jesus, it's necessary to stay away from sinners. I just said a mouthful right there. There's a philosophy in some places today in the church that said in order to be holy, you got to stay away from sinners. Thank God that's not the way Jesus lived. He was out among them and with them and loving them and eating them, eating with them and serving them. Eating is an invitation to friendship. Eating is an invitation also to relationship. Heard a man tell this one time. You ever heard this funny story? If you've been in church a while, you probably have. Guy said, when I became a member of our church, We were called out to be separate from the world. And there is some truth to that in your heart and in your lifestyle. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed to God's ways. But he said, when we became members of the church, we stood up in front. They said they really did this. They stood up in front of the church and said, I don't cuss, I don't smoke or chew, and I don't run with those that do. Problem with that is Jesus did. Two weak amens. <laughs> Jesus did. He did not join with them in any type of sin, but he invited them into relationship with him. That's what eating is. When you invite someone to a meal, you have invited them to a deeper relationship with you. We live in a society today where many neighborhoods, people just drive through the neighborhood and maybe wave at somebody and pull into their garage and put the garage door down and go into their house and never know each other. It can be different though. We can invite people into our home and serve them and love them and build a relationship with them. I've had neighbors before that I I, I knew a long time. And you know, you basically have those mailbox conversations. Or maybe if you're shoveling snow. Or maybe if something happens and they need some help. But it was not until I was able to sit down and eat with some of my neighbors that I really learned who they were. And was able to share and fellowship with them. Henry Nowen said this. He said, when you say, help yourself, take some more, don't be shy, have another glass. We offer our guests not only our food and drink, but also ourselves. The Jews understood that sitting down with someone to eat was much more about the friendship than it was the food. In fact, Paul even said this. Do you know the Apostle Paul said there's a certain type of person we should not eat with? Paul said, you can look it up. Paul said, if there is someone who claims to be a Christian, but is living a hypocritical, false lifestyle behind the scenes and has a facade of being a Christian, we're not to eat with that person because they're a blatant hypocrite. 
doesn't mean a person that's a faithful Christian and is struggling in some areas. But if a person is living a double life, coming to church and smiling on Sunday and then wrecking everybody's life behind the scenes, their family and on the job and everywhere they go, we're not to fellowship with that kind of person. We're rather to reach out to the person that doesn't know Christ. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is Acts chapter 10. If you've never read Acts chapter 10, it is so powerful in so many ways. The Jews in the early church had gotten the idea that Jesus was just for them, that this was completely a Jewish thing. And they'd forgotten there are millions of Gentiles all around them that didn't know Christ. And God had a heart for people beyond the nation of Israel. And in Acts chapter 10, there's this Gentile man named Cornelius who is praying to God. He's a devout person, but he doesn't yet know the gospel of Jesus Christ and he has not been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Cornelius is praying to God and God decides to send Peter to him. And he tells Cornelius that he's going to do this. At the same time, Peter is praying and Peter has a vision. Up to this time, Peter had been concerned with taking the gospel to the Jews primarily. And God gives Peter a vision. Do you know God can do that as you pray and seek him? God can give you visions of things. We believe that at Upward. We believe God's still doing that today. Peter had a vision and he saw something unusual. There was a big sheet that came down to heaven and the sheet had stuff in it. And the stuff in it was bacon. Read your Bibles. The sheet came down filled with bacon. I love Acts chapter 10. It's the verse, it's the chapter of the Bible that tells us Christians should eat bacon. You're not as excited as I am, are you? It's almost commanded. Really what it says, bacon was a part of it. But it says this sheet came down from heaven in Peter's vision and it had all these kind of unclean animals that the Jews were not supposed to eat. And God said to Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter got all religious. Peter thought he was holier than God. Oh, not so, Lord, Peter said. I have never eaten anything unclean. Well, you remember, Peter, you denied Christ three times to his face. You're not quite as holy as you thought. God didn't say that. I inserted that right there. (laughs) Sorry, God didn't say that. Thank God. (laughs) He said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. And God said to Peter, don't call what I have cleansed unclean. Eat bacon. Hickory smoked bacon. Thick sliced hickory smoked bacon. Man, we're about to break out in revival right here at Upward. God is moving. Can you tell? This is the most alive some people have been in a long time. Uh, God said, eat bacon. There was a bigger story than the food, though. When God said what I was cleansed, he wasn't just talking about the food. This message is about food, but there's something bigger than food happening. What God is saying is, don't call the Gentiles unclean when I've extended the gospel to them. And Peter went, and Cornelius and his household were saved and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit on that day because Peter was willing to touch something that previously had been considered unclean. Eating is an invitation. Eating is also a wonderful place to listen. 
We talked last week about listen, and if you haven't heard the previous couple of messages, I want you to go back and listen to those so you can get the whole picture. But eating is a wonderful place just to sit down and listen to somebody. It'd be so awkward just to show up on your neighbor's front porch and say, okay, preacher said I'm supposed to listen, so start talking. I'm just going to stay here till you say something intensely personal. Doesn't work that way. When you sit down and get to know people, you build a trust. And this may not happen the first meal. It may happen on the 10th. Because the blessed strategy is not a speedy strategy. It is consistent and steady and will produce results over time. Let's do this upward. Let's develop what one writer called a missional hospitality. You know, hospitality is a spiritual gift. Some people may think talking about food and eating doesn't sound very spiritual, but it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that is given to people to serve and to love and to create wonderful and beautiful experiences around food for people. I want to challenge you to develop missional hospitality. And not just for people that you know and love, but to people that are uncomfortable. Don't just invite people into your house that you're comfortable with. Invite some people that may challenge your reputation. That went over well. (laughs) Invite some people that make you uncomfortable. Because they're the ones that need Jesus the most. Missional hospitality. Now you may say this, well, I just really don't like having people at my house. Eat out. Can I get an amen? Take them out somewhere. You don't have to have them in your house. I, I do think that's the best place. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, invite them out somewhere and pay for it. Remember that value we have, radical generosity? Remember? Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. People are going to pour into your life. You'll never buy somebody a meal that, they, that you don't get paid back. I was in a drive through last Sunday. I was getting my wake-up wrap. And I was in a drive through last Sunday. And the guy in front of me was taking so long. And he actually passed his phone out and paid for his food. And then he passed it back again. I thought, oh, the guy got two orders. And i got to get to church. Two orders. Then I pulled up to the window and, and the lady said, the guy in front paid for you. I was the second order. <laughs> and I'm sitting back there with an attitude. Like, get out of my way. i got to go to church and he's buying my food. Don't we all do that? You'll never bless somebody that it won't come back. Eat out. There's a wonderful, beautiful thing too. There are apps like DoorDash and Grubhub and whatever else on your phone that you can, this is magic. During COVID, some precious people, family that we love, uh, gave us a gift certificate to one of those apps while we were stuck at home with COVID. My whole family had COVID in December, and so we were stuck at home for two weeks. And they gave us that. And just clicking a few buttons and food arrives at your door magically. (laughs) I'm not sure that's healthy for me. You can order that in and have food. Okay? Here's another thing you can do. Remember Jesus is a grill master? 
you can move the grill to the front of the house. Get it off the back deck and move it to the front. There is no great... Oh, you're going to think I'm so bad. One of the best evangelistic tools to win your neighbors to Jesus is smoke. (laughs) That smells like meat. I don't know about y'all. When I drive through my neighborhood and somebody's grilling, I feel like I've made a new friend. And I just want to stop in and get to know them. Put something on the grill in the front yard and you let that smoke out in the neighborhood and you're going to have some new friends. Amen. And again, it's not about the food. It's about what happens when we eat together. Second excuse, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything, just listen. Solve that one right there. Listen to them. Listen to their heart. People say, I don't have time. You got time to eat. Some of you are wishing I would wind this thing up right now because you've already decided where you're going to eat. You're going to eat. I know where you're going when I'm done. I'm just going to be spiteful and preach 10 more minutes just to show you that I can. I've already thought about lunch today. I'm planning right now where I'm going to eat. As I preach, I'm going through, no, not that bad, but uh, what I'm trying to say is eating is in your schedule now. We're not adding one thing to your schedule. We're just adding people to an event you already do. Make it missional. And can I say this? I'm a little over time already. It doesn't have to be a perfect meal. It doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. It needs to be something easy that you can do again and again, and you know it turns out. And if you got a go-to meal that you cook, you ought to find a go-to meal and make it or order it and have it ready and eat with somebody. And let me say this too. This may fall on deaf ears, but your house does not have to be perfect to have people over. Your house does not have to be perfect. You do not have to hire a floor polisher to come in and polish your floors and have every carpet cleaned and clean the back bathroom of the house that they're not going to go to anyway just to have guests over to your house. Relax. They're not judging your house. They're thankful for your fellowship. Greatest person I ever had in my life, I really believe this, I knew a lady named Doris Cole. Anybody ever remember Doris Cole? You may not know her. She, she lived to be 90. She was in her 90s when she went to heaven. And she had the most incredible spiritual gift of hospitality of anybody I've ever met. She would cook huge meals and have people over to, to her house. And I mean, she would cook six or seven vegetables. She would have two or three kinds of meat. And then she would have cakes and pies. She would have multiple desserts. This was not a diet situation when you went to Doris's house for a meal. She called me one time. She said, Pastor, I want you to let me know when your mom and dad are going to be in town. And I want to cook dinner for you and for your mom and dad. And then she invited two other families. So we're there. And you go in Doris's house. She was 85 years old at the time. And she'd cooked all day long and went to her house and she wasn't exhausted at all. She was energized. Because when you have the gift of something, it energizes you. It doesn't drain you. It's something you enjoy. She put out the most beautiful meal and we ate until we were about to pop. But what happened in the meal was more powerful. Doris got to know my mom and dad and really became close to them. Doris, her son and daughter were there as well. We got to know them very well. Doris, some years later, was in a nursing home. And uh, she was losing her capacity to remember. Her memory was going, you know. She was in her 90s. 
And she didn't always remember me. I went by to see her once and she didn't know who I was. But my mom and dad went to see her the next week and she knew them perfectly because of what happened over that food. My mom and dad today, my dad will turn 80 this year. My dad still remembers that meal and said that was a special time. We need that gift. Doris and her husband Wayne ran McFarland Bakery in Hendersonville. Any of y'all ever been to McFarland's? I cannot mention food without talking about Hot Dog World and McFarland's, all right? You ever been to McFarland's? Doris and her husband Wayne ran that for years. She passed it on now to her son Mike and his wife Kathy still run it today. And it's a wonderful place of hospitality. We need hospitality. Missional hospitality. To cook and to serve. To win people to Jesus. Amen. So here's your steps. Go buy a grill. Go buy a grill. If you've been debating on whether you should buy the grill or not, go buy it. Thus says the Lord. No, I'm Got to be careful with that. No, I back that off just a little bit. But I would say buy it. I heard a lot of male amens. Here's what you tell your wife. Honey, I promise we're going to use this for Jesus. Crank that thing up in the front driveway. Let that smoke go all over the neighborhood. And you're going to attract people. And you're going to realize this is not about the food. It's about the friendship and the relationship that I can bring somebody to Jesus. Amen. We're going to tell you the rest of it over the next two weeks. I'm excited. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. We love you. We praise you today for the goodness of knowing you and the power to be able to eat with people. Thank you, Jesus, that you love to eat, that it was a habit of your life to eat with people who were far from God. And today we receive that. I pray for a supernatural gift of hospitality to fill our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? It is so good to know Jesus, isn't it? Good to know him, good to be a part of his family. Three weeks from today is Easter Sunday. I know you're ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with us on Easter. We have a wonderful problem at Upward Christian Fellowship. We don't have room to put everybody. Isn't that exciting to have that kind of problem? Uh, this year, we're doing five Easter services on the weekend, plus the six in Spanish with Pastor Joel. We're excited. We're going to add one service to the events, to the slate. If you don't know this already, every Thursday night, we have a Sunday morning service on Thursday nights at 7. So this service is this same service on Thursday night. In fact, the first time I preach a new message is on that Thursday night. So if you would consider you need to join that service, come on and be with us. So we'll have a regular Thursday night at 7 p.m. Then we will have a Saturday night at 5 p.m. That's the new one. We're going to be here on Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, our three regular morning worship services and our service in the afternoon in Spanish. So thank you so much for joining those. If some of you could jump in that Saturday night, that would help us alleviate some crowding from Easter. We're going to have a bunch of people here over Easter weekend, and we need to make space for them. So if you could come on Saturday night, uh, please think about that and pray about that. That may be a good option for you. You ready to be blessed today? All right. Now, by the power of, and the authority of the Holy Spirit, I commission you and send you out into your world in the Holy Spirit's power to take Jesus to your neighborhood. Amen. Amen. Love you all so much. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you again next week. Going to have more fun next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at 
upwardchristianfellowshipucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash upwardchristianfellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.